Well, yeah, because like, you know, if you, the, the nice thing about real estate is like, you get, you get what you put into it. Right. And, and if you like balls to the wall and you roll and you freaking crush it from March to September, Mm -hmm. like, and when the market dies off in the fall, like after that, you're like, I don't really care. Cause I just made all my money in seven months, but yeah, I worked you know, 12 hours a day. And I was on the road all the time doing all these showings and all this stuff. But at the same time, like now I don't need to do PTO because I'm just not going to work because I made all my money. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, it's not completely shut off, but yeah, I mean, a vast majority, it's so front end loaded to the year that um, it, it allows for such things to happen in the fall. I mean, yeah, I make, uh, I would say like probably, 70% or 80% of my money by June or by the end of, let's say August, the end of August, I've made 80% when of my money. starts. So yeah, exactly. That's another thing. A lot of families don't with kids and whatnot, they don't want to be moving during school. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it, which whatever it is, I'm good with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. So do you, you know, have from a, from a seller's perspective, like if you're a seller, when do you want to, or what kind of real estate do you do? Do you do commercial, residential, land? It's res, yeah, a little bit of anything, honestly, but a vast majority of it is residential. Okay. So if you're trying to sell your house, when should you put it on the market? Mm, well, seasonally, that's, I could open a can of worms to give you uh, you know, an in-depth answer to that. But ultimately, I would say a lot of the times right at the end of February or into the beginning of March um, is going to be, and, you know, that's a double-edged sword as well, because that's when a lot of homes hit the market as well. That's why I say the end of February, because you're like, or the beginning of March, because you're beating the wave of when a lot of homes actually come on the market. You know, if you're, if you're the only show in town, AKA you're the only home that fits the mold of what you're selling um you're just naturally going to have more buyers come look at it uh and a lot of the times it'll pick up real heavy by the end of march and all of april may time frame so if you can beat the the spring rush a little bit um that's usually your your best time but i don't know there's there's an open argument too for even if you did it in the dead of winter and there's really no homes on the market or a lesser amount than any other time of the year. Well, you know, that could be advantageous for you as well. Yeah. So I don't, it I depends it, on who you're trying to, who you think is going to buy your house in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or there, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's outside variables, you know, like this year, considering looking back on the year of what the feds did with trying to slow down our entire economy, mainly from the real estate market, you would definitely want to try to sell it back in March ish, March, April, May. And, you know, after June, July, it just. Yeah, surely actually, you know, it's filled the void since, you know, everybody, the, the rates have doubled and whatnot. Uh, our cash buyers have been, just cleaning up, you know, investors, a lot of investor clients, yeah. people that either have a line of credit or they're buying it in cash. Um, the, that's mainly who we've been serving in the last three, four months. 
So and those are those are people that are just buying like residential homes and turning them into rentals or what? Yeah. Yep. Essentially. Or yeah. Rentals or fix and flips, uh, investment sure. properties of that nature. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of rentals. Gotcha. No, oh, it's interesting. And that seems to be like, that seemed to be the case when the interest rates were super low too. Like you're having mm-hmm. these giant groups of people that were just like, yeah, I'll throw 10 grand down on this house. And even though it's 300,000, I'll throw 10, 20 grand at it and just make the rent more than the rate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And then, right. and then they're like, yeah, I'll just, you know, I only make 200 bucks a month on this house, but if I have 300 houses like this, mm-hmm. making 600,000 a month or 60,000 a month, I don't know what the math Yeah. Is. It's an, it's an art to make that pencil out properly. Um, yeah. Or, you know, I actually manage my partner's rental portfolio as well, which is big and uh, see how he's, done it and um i just bought one myself about um two weeks ago and uh with that one it's you can if you're willing to do the work on the front end we're actually looking for essentially like disaster homes um i did a podcast with jake hofer on this actually and we talked about something called the burr method it was it was his land podcast but we talked about using this Burr method in residential to then fund the dream of a farm one day, because mark my words, I'll have my own place one day. <laughs> but, For sure. but, yeah. Until then uh, we're door knocking and public land grinding. <laughs> yeah. Know. And we'll get to, we'll get to hunting and for everybody listening, Jake, Jake Holfer is one of the main guys at Exodus uh, trail cameras. Um, and yep. he has, Jake's got a great podcast. If you're trying to buy land, um, Jake's got a great podcast. He, cause he's doing real estate now too, right? Yeah. He sells residential and land. Um, yeah, down he's, in Illinois. he's been doing that for a while to my knowledge, but yeah, I mean, it only makes sense with what he's got going on there. He's, he's got a nice little niche to where he can sell land, um, and just get kind of organic referral business there. So, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, Okay. So, and I, what is, well, we could go to the, go listen to Jake's pod. What do you know? I have any idea what podcast that is? I number, you just have to look for my name, Alex Skelly on there. I forget what it was. It was probably three, four months ago when we we chatted. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Just talk. Yeah. If you're looking to, but if you're looking to buy land, check, check that one out. Cause Mm -hmm. awesome dude. And, and -hmm. I'm sure you guys had some great conversations there. Yeah, some really knowledgeable people on that podcast. You know, when he the, the people that he gets on there is a lot of times they're land specialists or specialists or uh, you know, people that do land management, things of that nature. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of it's really insightful. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So then that's the like the seller side of things. If you're trying to buy, if you're trying to sell in like February, are you trying to buy in like October or November. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. Yeah. That's a good idea. But like I, but I mean, yes and no. Once again, if, if we were relate, you know, that's a little bit too of an open-ended question to give you a direct answer to, but like relating it to this year, once again, uh, what we've been telling our clients now, it's like, uh, would you rather lock into a three and a half percent interest rate, which was back in March, but pay 
five to 10% over the list price to get that three and a half percent? Or would you rather pay six and a half percent right now being the current 30 year fixed rate and pay the list price or even less than the list price? And mind you, if you go the higher interest rate route, you can always treat it like a stock. Yeah, there's variables to that, but for as little as a thousand bucks, you can refinance that, that interest rate that's high once it comes back down. Now you got the home for under the list price and you, you, you got the, it's, it's like the best and of both. You got the better interest rate. Yeah. You just have to time out. Like you just have to be willing to hang on for a few years. You know, mm -hmm. you have to be set financially to be able to like hang on at that six and a half or eight and a half. And you don't want to like, obviously hang on for dear life, you know? You're not hanging yeah. off the cliff edge. You just <laughs> got your feet yeah. dangling over, right? Don't leverage yourself. Right. Yeah, Don't exactly. But then you'd be sitting real pretty once once you refi and you're back down to, you know, 4% or 3% or whatever. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you're be a lot lower. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. Or, Alex, or you just like save up all your money and buy a house in cash. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, have that, I have that conversation far too often and you have to explain why that'll never why that you're chasing a moving target that's yeah. that's tough to do it but, is it is yeah. just become a just become a millionaire alex shoot mm -hmm. shoot uh shoot What's a 200, shoot it shoot a couple 200s sell them mm -hmm. the components for like 300 grand each and then mm -hmm. go buy what you want to buy yeah, I would tell everybody that I paid for this house in Booners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's the name of this podcast episode. I paid for this house in Booners. <laughs> sound like a pipe dream. Oh, dude, that'd be fantastic. All right. Well, let's jump into the, the depth and meat of the topic today and the conversation, which is rolling into late season, grinding it out. And you have far more sits than I do. Before we jump into that, just real, real quick, want to want to drop our our partners real fast. Uh, Onyx Map, Vector Custom Shop, and Venado. Those are our three partners of the podcast. Venado Lifestyle Apparel, phenomenal flannels, sweatshirts. You know, winter weather gear. Like they have some awesome stuff there. Great Christmas gifts. Go check out Venado. And the really nice thing about Venado is that your dollars are going to a company that is in Wisconsin, it's in the US, and they are very hunter friendly and they give back a lot to the hunting community, especially in their local area around the Milwaukee area, helping out archery clubs, bow shops, putting on events, all that kind of stuff. And it's uh, Venado. You just type it into Google or shopvenado.com. All right, check out Venado. The next one would be Vector Custom Shop. Great guys. They do custom arrows for your bow. If you are in need of arrows, you've lost a couple arrows, you've flung some at some squirrels, you missed a coon or two, you sent one sky high on a doe, whatever it is, you need some new arrows. They're not tuning well. Check out Vector Custom Shop. Those guys can get you some great arrows that are built for your bow and for the weight, for your draw weight, for your draw length, so that when you're tuning them out, they should tune a spot on and it should just be you that's the problem, not your arrow. Last but not least, Onyx Maps, right? Right, Alex. It's it's you that's the problem, not your arrow. Like that's yeah. like when you're you tuning, when you're tuning stuff out and it's not tuning well, if you know everything's set up right, then you uh then you're like, all right, it is me. It's my fault. 
I got to figure me out. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, and then, yeah, last but not least, Onyx Maps. Like anybody you talk to, if they have Onyx Maps, they're on it pretty much every day during hunting season, looking at private public land boundaries, looking at wind direction, marking waypoints, trying to map out where they think those deer are going to move, and then basing an entry and exit route in on that and getting set up. So check out Onyx Maps. And one of the phenomenal pieces about them is that they work offline. So if you're hunting hill country like I'm doing often, you don't get internet like at all. That's a big piece when you're trying to walk through a lot of that stuff. All right. Drop the partners. And lastly, uh, not even a partner just for me, the, the, uh, deer vein shop is open. So I have a, a shop now you can go to deervein.com, click on shop. And from there, um, there's t-shirts, hats, and hoodies that you can buy. Uh, I tried all three of them on, got them all, got a bunch of different options, picked the ones that I thought were the most comfortable, the XL sweatshirts, and large sweatshirts are actually really freaking nice and they are long for anyone who's taller. I'm six, two like myself and I wear an XL sweatshirt and it fits me well and it doesn't shrink. So my arms, like I don't have like that three inch gap around my wrist that so many of these sweatshirts have. So awesome hoodies and whatnot there. Go check that out too. Shameless plug for myself. Got it. Yep, got to do podcast, it. Podcast, right? Alex, what's your what's the what's the real estate? What's how do I plug you? What's the real estate if people want to buy or sell up in up in uh, Minneapolis? No, I got you. I got you all over the state with the uh, MLS there. Actually, and some of Western Wisconsin. Uh, I got a land deal cooking right now um, in the western part of the state. But nice. uh, you can get a hold of me at Alex at moveminnesota.com. It's all spelled out um that'd be the easiest way to reach me and i mean questions comments anything in between them uh try to be the knowledge broker help people out one way or another and usually it comes full circle awesome that's great all right so i have sat i think i've i've sat for sure eight eight days and that would equate to roughly 16 different stand locations. Did a couple all dayers, did a couple, you know, three sitters um, throughout the day. So roughly 16 sits. You're on, is it 48? 49 after tonight. 40, yeah, 49. So three 49 times tonight. as many, as many sits as I have. And you you got a buck, you got one buck down, right? Or no? Good. Not yet. Sitting at the goose egg. Sitting, sitting at, at the, the zero, zero zilchinata. Is this a uh, 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 dark flashbacks from two years ago? <laughs> Dude, I was hoping 48 was going to be the lucky number again, and it was not. It was not, unfortunately. Dude, that's deer hunting. I'm not, I mean, I don't, all things aside, a social media judgment, that that's not of my concern. Um, to put it in perspective, last year was, three bucks in three states and 11 sits. I mean, you know, right. then you, very next year following very similar philosophies and uh, 48 deep. And I'm, I'm, I got Zero. all sorts of tags in my pocket. <laughs> I got, I got all of the tags in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, and, but uh, well, I did, I shot a soup going there. Yeah. Oh my God. I send my buddies a picture, like the biggest vat of, a picture i found online i was like this is my take super you guys want to come over and have some with me i'll have enough to go around 
Um, oh, dude, that's great. Yeah, no, I'm like six. I'm like six hundred bucks into tags right now. I added it up. Six hundred bucks into tags, and uh, nada. But here's the thing, man. It's it's archery. Well, I've picked up a gun a couple times, but I'm gonna say seventy five percent of those hunts, eighty percent of those hunts were with a bow. Yeah, probably. Yeah, eighty yeah, percent of the hunts were with a bow, and it's a game of inches. I mean, I was so close uh the second day of season this year on a great big ancient old buck that i was trying to kill and uh you know game of inches with the ball that's all i got to say you know if this little thing wouldn't happened or that little thing would have went the other way boom i would have been tagged out in wisconsin second day of season and then i i add those up i i i account for those close encounters and that's really what keeps me motivated because those close encounters that, you know, could have fell in my lap or gone the right way, or if I would have made this other right decision, I've had five of those this year and literally couldn't seal the deal on five freaking opportunities. Uh, it's just, yeah, I had probably uh, top five for sure. Biggest bucks I've ever seen out of a tree. I had them walk 10 yards under my stand less than 10 minutes before daylight before I could shoot him and he was he was nose to the ground on it was uh the second of November nose to the ground working this ridge side and I just had to stare at him I could have hit him with a stick but it was just just hardly too early and by the time he went up the ridge as soon as I could see them pins I started grunting and (laughs) making noise but he wasn't having it he was gone oh man that's tough what uh is there anything in there where you're like because you know some of that stuff you get in there and you're like man it's a 50 50 shot either he takes this trail or that trail like i gotta pick one of them you know Mm -hmm. or like he's i know he's in like or on this hillside and he could either go right or left or he could Mm. make this trail and go to this food source or he could go over here and go to this oak flat or like you know, and you're just like sitting there playing these games. Like if you have an idea where they are or you have a trail cam or a cell cam picture, like, all right, he's here somewhere ish, you know, now I just kind of need to like hang out and put my time in the tree. Right. And I've kind of really like this, this year it's hit me hard. So this is my first year, like running, I got five cell cams. So I'm really able to like in real time, see what these deer are doing on the property. And man, the second, like November 1st hit it for me, at least like all the patterns on the property this year went out the door and it was just like random times and random places. These bucks were showing up. And at that point, it's just like, dude, just put in your time. Like that's Mm -hmm. all you can do in the rut is just like, sit like, you're going to have four days of nothing, but eventually you'll have one of those close encounters on like day five or day nine or day Mm -hmm. 14. Like, it's just like, I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, but then also like before that, prior to that, like late October, there was like some cycling going on. It was like three to four days, like South winds. Uh, I can't, I have to enter from my neighbor's property with a South wind or I, I shouldn't say I have to, but I really should. Mm. Um, and South wind seemed to be the best time for, bucks to move into an area that i can certainly kill them in um on a south wind i don't know i have an idea 
it seems like it's a really standard traditional like betting like it's a it's a ridge side uh like a hillside they're betting on the north side of the hill on a south wind so that wind is coming up over their back and they're looking at this big valley and when they get up they're walking north Uh and as long as i and as long as i get ahead of them and i have that south wind in my face and it's at his back they're moving up the hill right to me and it's like a three two to three hundred yard walk for them so i'm not like in their betting area at all like i'm right on a field edge but it's like the path they like to take uh-huh. so so like i've learned like that's a big learn lesson for me is is if late october i mean i'm going to be putting in my time in that stand on south winds i used to hate south winds i used to be like fuck these south winds like i can't enter my property and now i've talked to the neighbor and i talked to him last year a little bit and this year he was even cooler he was like whatever man just let me know when you're driving through because he, he owns the farm there and you have to drive literally past his house and through all of his barns in order to get to where I need to go. I can't just like, it's not just like a side road that I can go on. So, and he's got kids, he's got workers out there. He's got all these people and he also leases his land to like four other hunters. Oh, so yeah. like they've nice. kind of given me the evil eye when I drive through there, but they can't like, they can't hunt anything close to where I'm going. And my yeah. truck is like, a hundred yards from their barn. So it's not like I'm invading their space at all, but um, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where I, I feel bad um, about it in a way that I'm like, I, I want to do something for him. I want to, I want to pay him. I want to get him something. I just can't figure out what, cause what, like he, I, this is a good question for you. Cause he has a farm. Uh, he has all of his own, chickens goats pigs and cows um he's he hunts every now and then but not a lot he doesn't drink and um what was the other thing so i was and i was trying like okay i'll get him like a cheese and sausage thing or i'll get him this or that and it's like nah he has all that stuff i'll get him a nice bottle of booze nah he has all that stuff he doesn't really drink soda either so i don't i can't like get him a 12 pack like i don't know what to do Dude, I don't know. I think <clears throat> to answer your question, because I do this all the time. I mean, I have, I'm honestly to the point in Western Wisconsin there with all these permission properties, it's hard to keep up with courting all these people because <laughs> yeah. I have, a, I have a lot of farms that I can hunt now, fortunately, but I'm very intentional of making sure that they know how grateful I am for them letting me go on their land. And a lot of the times I'll ask their, like on the big farm I hunt, I'll ask his other family member, figure out the local bar or restaurant that they like to go to, get him a gift card for that place every year. Uh, Just if I'm in their house, if I'm in the house BSing with them, I'm looking around to, you know, try to get some sort of insight of what their hobbies or interests are. Yeah. Um, I think to be honest with you though, regardless what you get them, it's just going to be the thought that counts regardless of, you know, knowing, getting the message across that it's not taken for granted of what you, uh, what he's allowing you to do, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's going to be appreciated. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That that's fair. I just got to figure out something that's like, just important. don't, don't get a vegetarian a steak. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. That's that. Did you, have you done that? 
No, that's oh. just from the top of my head. You said he doesn't drink booze. To, if, if he goes to AA meetings, don't get him a case of beer. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, that'd be that'd be bad. Like I just he just he he'd look at me and he would laugh and he'd be like, "I don't drink," and hand it back. He'd be like, "But thank you." Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I think you know what I could do for him, and he would probably appreciate this. Is literally go coyote hunt his. He has 700 acres. And every time I talk to him about coyotes, he like turns red and he's like, those son bitches got to die. <laughs> you know? so maybe I need to go pound some coyotes for him, put in some time. You know, tell, tell, that'll be a good excuse for my wife. Hey, hon, I like, I really need to help out this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's your out, your out right. house. Ugh. But anyway, back to my, that was a huge tangent on my end. Back to my original question, like, what uh is there anything that you noticed for those five like really close encounters that besides you know one being too early like you can't help that you were in the stand right place right time it was just uh bad timing on the deer's part anything else that you've thought like has really been like a oh my gosh light bulb moment on some of those um well the i don't know yes yes and no uh it's situational to each one i mean for example what i guess an easy way to put the opening weekend one uh that i should have killed this big buck in wisconsin on is get in the stand earlier i thought you know because on opening uh opening weekend in wisconsin i think it was dark at it was like eight o'clock or something like that or yeah it's like eight thirty yeah it's it's late right so I thought me getting into the tree, being completely set up in the tree by 4.30 was going to be good, like more than enough. Well, I walked in, I kind of, you know, like you said, I had them pinned down to a ridge system from my cameras and some glassing. And then I made my way in there. I, I poked around slowly without any gear. I was, I never scout with all my stuff. Uh, I, the only thing I scout with is like, a little fanny pack of a saw, some rope and water. Um, but anyways, I scouted around this ridge system in the middle of the day to figure out where I thought these deer were at on the ridge and where they were going to drop down. And I found this really hot oak flat, fresh rubs. And, you know, being early September, you know, they're fresh, big old tracks, shit, acorns raining, uh, squirrels going off wild, picked out the tree went back to my car and I was getting back into the ridge system and right, literally man, right where I was going to set up. I, I noticed movement ahead of me at three thirty, three or yeah, I was like three forty-five in the afternoon, three forty-five. I look ahead of me about a hundred yards and the big buck that I was trying to shoot and two subordinate deer we're standing about 10 yards from the tree. I was going to set up and feeding on acorns. Yeah. It's, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm, the old I'm arguably the worst ground stalker ground game hunter that's ever ground hunted. Um, <laughs> tried to put a little sneak on him or something. One of the little bucks picked me off and that ended that um, he never got me. The big one never got me, but little guy kind of ruined the show. So they ran up the ridge and I mean, if they would have done what they're supposed to do and drop down an hour before dark, 
I would have been more than ready and right. crushed them, but or at least got my opportunity. But uh, that was yeah. that was an example on that. I mean, you know, we're that's a, that's a tough one though, because you can't like that's a non that's like one of those non predictable factors. Yeah, like yeah, but we're you chasing wild just... animals. You know, people people right. people like to put these things into such deer do this and this and this and this and they never do that it's like no i disagree it's a large wild animal it does whatever it wants right yeah that's uh i i think one of the biggest things people get hung up on and and i i don't like every now and then you'll hear a a podcast guest like if you're listening to honey podcast you'll hear one of the guests or somebody say deer always do this and you're like no I I bet you there's 18,000 people listening to this right now that are like, no, this one time in this one stand that I was in on my property in the land that I hunt a deer did this. And that is not what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like you have to like speak in general generalities, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's like, Just that's bettering your odds, putting that's all it is, man. It's like educated decision, general, right? In general, in the early season, mm-hmm. September 17th and 18th, when Wisconsin opened, you're expecting the majority of the deer movement an hour before dark, hour, mm-hmm. hour and a half, right? So you want to be set up with probably three hours. Mm-hmm. So like setting up at 4.30, I wouldn't have even, I probably would have gotten there at five, you know? Mm-hmm. you and, and next year, if you're like, all right, I got to be there at 3.30, you're going to get there and he's going to be there at 2.45. You know, it's like... yeah. That's not, that's a non, yeah, that's one of those non-predictable. That's one of those other questions. Like, what about this? Like you've picked up the gun a couple of times. Um, when you have a gun in your hand, do you wait for first light? So when you're walking in, if there's something there, you can shoot it versus I know what you mean. trying to get there super early. Yeah. 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 Um, I personally still follow the same course of action for the most part unless I'm unless I don't know exactly where I'm going if I'm scouting my way in and gonna set up on sign or something like that with the stand on my back then I did that this year a couple times actually I did just what you said I got halfway in I got halfway into where I was going by first light by like first legal shooting light and then just tiptoed in with the gun you know and yeah. got set up, you know, maybe 45 minutes or an hour into daylight, but, you know, it was, uh, still unsuccessful, still, unsuccessful. <laughs> still, <laughs> still, you know, in theory, sounds so good. What, yeah. So 40, I mean, 48 sets and like working through the most I've ever had in, in a season, I think I made it to like 53. Um, mm-hmm. and that was the year. Me too. Yeah. Me yeah. too. And that was the, and I had multiple great opportunities. I flung a couple arrows, missed one, um, wounded one non-lethal hit, and then had a couple other like drawbacks and no shot. Um, Mm -hmm. so certainly, certainly had opportunities there, but, um, like, you know, when you're rolling through the season like that and you're putting so much time in, is there like, is there any sort of mode? Like, do you ever get into lumps or, or dumps where you're like dude i just don't even want to get up this morning i just don't even want to yeah i don't know i i get what you're saying and when i was younger i would when i was when i had less experience i would i would get deterred but 
I'm to the point now, man, where it's like, I've, I've seen it enough times that you're honestly, your season can change in the drop of a hat, no matter what, no matter what has happened prior, you can, I've had dumb luck too. Like for, you know, we're talking about the Debbie Downer business right now of how, how my season's gone this year, but I've had stuff in the past prior seasons that shit should have never played out that. Why did that just happen? I was right place, right time. It all just fell into place and it was the easiest tag punch that you could have. And it was just, you know, yeah, time out there. And like, I don't know, I even, in, I just like being out there regardless. And yeah. if I, you know, well, don't let me fool you. It gets, it gets wearing when you're, I mean, for example, that spot that I hunted yesterday was a two and a half mile walk in and I didn't see shit. And then I walked out and there was, there's a nice layer of snow there. And, and there was in that two and a half miles, there was probably eight to 10 deer tracks in my tracks on the way out. So stuff like that is like, Jesus, come on. But um, I, I've just had it enough over the years to where, you know, it, it seriously, you can, you just have to, you have to make it right one time. You have to make the right decision one time you know right. so even if you made 48 that were wrong prior this next one you might knock it out of the park mm -hmm. you know? so that option yeah that's true keeps like going. failure from the day before does not affect significantly the success of the day after mm -hmm. and Especially, a lot of times it leads you in the right direction because you know if you're like gritting an area or you're using your scouting and and things of that nature you can you can make a better educated decision the next day and the next day and the next day. And right. Eventually, eventually stumble across something. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I will say that like that season that I hunted, like 50, I had 53 sits, like that was the season where I learned by far the most I ever learned about deer hunting. Cause I was just yeah. out there four days a week, five days a week trying to get, you know, after work, no kids and on the weekends and just trying to get after it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That one, when I matched up 53, that was in 2020, which I killed on 48, a pretty damn nice buck, but I just kept hunting because I had other tags. I ended up stopping at 53, but sure. yeah, you learn a ton when you're out there so consistently. Yep. Yeah. That's it. That is pretty big um so then in in your mind when you're you know when you're sitting there and you're like okay where am i gonna go you're you're hunting a lot of different spots all the time right it mm -hmm. seems like yeah like different pieces yeah, like all the time flipping back and forth between minnesota and wisconsin yeah i usually a majority of my hunts will be uh in wisconsin the early part of the year and then into the pre-rut. Um, this year, I ended up going like scrape week. I went to North Dakota with a few of my buddies, and we did scrape week in North Dakota, which was a lot of fun. My friend tagged out. Um, I found the place that I needed to be for sure, but uh, I unfortunately set up on it wrong. And that, I mean, that that's a pretty good conversation to have right there. But what's um, happening? Yeah, I uh, well what it was is I went into the same drainage where I, uh, I mean, I'm up in 
way up way north north dakota and there's a ton of public land there it's big it's big huge ridge systems but they're ravines not bluffs not hills but nevertheless you're still hiking 500 feet up and down right um, i went i used the whole first day of scouting and uh i think we got there on the 25th of october october 25th and uh scouted that whole day well i didn't scout the whole day because at about noon um i killed there last year on the 9th of november and i went back to that spot and it was dead so you know a couple miles later of scouting i found a bunch of rubs and a bunch of fresh scrapes on a dropping oak flat and uh <clears throat> that i that was like okay i need to come hunt here so I grabbed my stand, grabbed my bowl, went back in there, got set up. And how it, how it was there is there's the river bottom with all the exactly how you'd expect it to be thick understory, um, soft, soft trees, you know, all the hardwoods are up on the hillside. Um, and it was like a 50 foot roughly 40 to 50 foot ridge side there that came up pretty steep and then it went to the oak flat and all the sign was up on the oak flat and uh and then mind you the the ridge kept going up another couple hundred feet right and there's thick cover up past me and all of like 99 percent of the sign was up on this flat right and i had access from the bottom and <clears throat> what I ended up doing and what I feel like a majority of people was, would do, you know, you're only making the, the best educated decision you can based upon your prior experience and knowledge. Well, I set up on the Oak flat where all the sign was, seems like a no brainer. And, yeah. uh, I, the wind started swirling on me a little bit up there. Um, but it wasn't, it was swirling, but it wasn't bad enough. I thought that I'd be able to get him before he got me. And, uh, I ended up, I had one deer catch me like it winded me and didn't get to see what it, I think it actually saw me. I had one deer see me and then I had a doe and two fawns come up right before dark. And that was my first evening. And, uh, so I left all my stuff there and I went right back the next day. And what happened there? I, I saw as I came up on the ridge, I scared deer out of there. They didn't blow, but they, you could hear them trotting back up the ridge, got in my stand. Um, I got down at like noon. I don't, I don't remember what for, but the, the significant part to this is that it was like a North wind, a West wind. And then finally the South wind came on the second or third day. And I'd been sitting up on that ridge for two days in a row and I was seeing deer. Uh, I saw like a spike and a, another doe and two fawns the second day, third day comes with the South wind. And if you would have gone with the assumption of big bucks cruising downwind of to they're, they're checking it downwind. They're not going to go up there and physically look at it. They're going to cruise downwind of it. I thought of that, but what, why I didn't set up, I was right on the edge of the ridge where the 50 foot came up and it flattened out to the oak flat. I was right on the edge of that, but 
what what I found out these big suckers were doing because I had two of them win me on that first south wind day is they were down in the bottom sent checking that whole flat going east to west on that first south wind because that was the wind that they needed to be able to do that with the topography and that was my next example because the first one I found out there was a the the bucks were doing that was I honestly forget why I dropped down the ridge on the third day but I was coming back up it at like noon to to go back into my stand and uh I came face to face with this big buck going east to west down in the flat and I was starting to go up the ridge to my stand and we teed up each other and he goes running off but that so was, he was so and he was low he was so yeah he you was had, right in the bottom right, right in the bottom okay. and my stand was set up up on the ridge side up on the yeah. flat right up on the shooting shooting into where all the deer were feeding and where all the sign was right. and uh then i could have dropped back down right there had i been like okay the, the big bucks are all sent checking down low I went back up to my stand because I was seeing deer up there and I set up and just an hour later, it was like 2 PM. Uh, I caught movement down in the bottom and I saw a cage and he was going east to west and eventually got straight downwind to me and caught me and blew five times and ran out of there. And uh, after the second time, I was like, okay, I'm getting off this flat and I'm going down into that bottom where there's no sign. There's a couple of, there's, there was a couple of faint trails, little, you know, beaten into the mud, but I I feel like every hunter would have been setting up on that ridge where all the rubs and scrapes were. And the big suckers were right down below me on that, in the bottom, you know, and then I ended up sitting there and uh, I think it would have just been more time on stand. I ran out of days of hunting there. We only allotted for five days. And once I got in that bottom, I saw a, uh, I saw a fork. I had a fork go by me doing that exact thing. Like the big guys were doing and I let him go. And then, uh, on the last, the last sec, the, the last evening, my buddy killed and we ended up, I packed it up early to go help him get this deer out. So yeah, just essentially ran out of time, but you know, kind of a lesson learned there, I guess I'll say is thought I had it figured out. Didn't have it figured out. Yeah. Yes. I would say yes and no. Like if you see a buck and ant in one area in late October, like that's not necessarily a pattern or anything. That's just like, okay, he's using this trail. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you see the second one and you're like, shit. (laughs) Right. kind of like that's that's that aha moment um like all right that is the trail Mm because you know you can't like i i've never thought that you could see people who see and it happens to a lot of us and uh one of my buddies calls is like recency bias but you see one deer do one thing from a stand one time Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden like that's like in your mind that's how this property lays out and that's could be not the case right that's why you have you know, Uncle Jim is sitting in the same tree stand he sat for 30 years because 28 years ago he shot a good buck out of it. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah. There's so many variables that can change those things too, season to season. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but okay. No, I mean, that's a great, that's a great point is, you know, you would think you would, you know, you'd think go to the sign and go to the food and go to the scrapes and everything. And, Mm -hmm. and like I said, there was deer up there. I saw a majority of the deer were up there, but the one that I'm trying to shoot was not playing that game. You know, he was smarter than me. (laughs) <laughs> this, year, this year this year he was this smart. year he got me no Touché. yeah yep um what about so like that was a that was a good one i mean do you like rolling through you know sit 30 i think it really helps that you're not hunting the same property over and over and over again like i yeah, think that really helps because it keeps yeah. it really fresh for you mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah i mean hunting, i hunt such a change in I mean, when I go to Northern Minnesota to my deer camp for rifle opener, um, that's, that's the Minnesota gun season opens up way earlier than Wisconsin. You know, it's like the right in the heart of the pre-rut and, uh, up there it's all swamp, endless public land, less than 5% agricultural, and you got a rifle in your hands and, uh, it's honestly way more of a challenge than you would anticipate. Like, like without trying to exaggerate, I would take my odds in the farm country with a bow over rifle in the big woods. Cause it, dude, that is, that's I, a yeah. Yeah, I don't, anyways, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna step on that one. Cause yeah, the big woods yeah. like flat out, like doesn't, doesn't scare me into not wanting to hunt it, but it's, it is certainly a historical game. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to know, like, because on farm country, like you can run transition lines. Oh, there's the woods. There's the field. Here's Mm. this little ridge. Here's this little saddle. Here's this pinch point. There's scrub everywhere. And then all of a sudden there's a few big oaks. Like, okay, cool. Like you can find those like beacon. I call them beacons, those beacon points, or you can find those transition lines, those pinches really easy, Mm. large swaths of flat land and swamp dude that's mm-hmm. there's there it seems like when you're looking at it it seems like the uh the deer can kind of just like choose to go wherever whenever and it doesn't matter yeah but there's the, they like, super subtle micro like topography changes and routes that you do learn over time when you hunt there over and over and over again mm-hmm. but that seems yeah. to be like you have to figure out those subtle uh those subtle what i want to say like those subtle patterns and they're just hard they're hard they're very yeah. hard yeah i mean that could be a podcast in itself hunting the big woods because honestly a majority um a majority of the bucks on my wall did come from the big woods in northern minnesota just because you know i hunted i've hunted there for like 12 years before i ever came down south and had the realization of farm country um but anyways to to circle this back and answer your question yeah i'll go down to the bluffs in southern minnesota and it's gigantic ridges um i'll hunt the farm country of western wisconsin and that's hilly don't get me wrong but it's like 200 feet of elevation change not 500 and it's and it's more gradual it's not big rock outcroppings and giant giant ravines like in the down south and then go back to northern minnesota and it's it's 
swamp flat yeah. but yeah just you know changing things up keeps you keep like breaks up the monotony of it yeah i think that's a great that's a great point because i you know when i had the 53 sits i uh i was on hunting a big a six thousand acre chunk of public so i was really sitting i didn't sit the same spot more than two or three times unless like i was really you know keyed in on it and really liked it um mm-hmm. But now, like, I'm pretty determined to kill one on our on our private ground, which I haven't done yet. But Chad, my neighbor, killed a killed a nice one on a south wind in the exact spot that I was like, if you go here tonight, you're probably going to kill one. I think there's going to be good deer in there. And you just got to get there. However, I'm trying. I'm actually like, have you ever heard of a guy named Greg, uh, Greg Glissinger? Yeah. 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 yeah so, so I had a podcast. With oh, him. What's that? bow hunting fiend right uh no that's greg litzinger okay well. oh greg yeah right oh. greg Glessinger <laughs> versus greg litzinger yeah yeah so greg litzinger is east coast like i think new jersey i want to say yeah he might be i know that's offensive if i got it wrong because i did get it wrong but i he's either like pa or new jersey or so somewhere east east (laughs) yeah and uh and then um greg glessinger is out of oh i know who that is yeah the drury outdoors guy who shots the the gigantic thing in wisconsin this year yeah he's shot he shot a couple really nice deer so he the the one in wisconsin this year was stupid big something out of a fairy tale i gotta look that up because i don't I don't know if I've even saw that one come through. Um, Glessinger, which is G L E S I N G E R. Yeah. Oh, so he didn't shoot that one. No. The one. Let me just look. I don't think he, yeah, I don't think he shot that one this year. He posted it but it's not, it's not his. And he says it is, he just says word on the street. It's a new potential Wisconsin state record. That's not, um, it looked like a state record. That thing was, Oh yeah, dude. I mean, it is, it's all a 200 and I bet you it's going to close, come close to 220. It's a freaking stud. I mean, yeah, I guess. And I quickly, you know, I should get, try to get this guy on the podcast. I'm sure he's got 1900 requests anyway. Um, but I saw his, I saw the guy who actually shot it and he's like, yeah, I've been chasing this. Like this buck's been on my radar for three years. Like, and I finally, like this year I threw everything. I, that's all I did this fall. And he finally got him. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, uh, Greg said last year when I had him on the podcast he was like you're gonna learn more from hunting one deer than you are from hunting deer in general so he's like if you have the opportunity this fall hunt a deer so there was there is a deer and i'm still i still like i don't believe he's dead i think he's crafty enough that he's alive um but i i was there i was at our farm for four days and i put all four sits at this deer and this deer is living on the neighbors but he comes into our property like 150 200 yards um every few days so when i got there he was on camera the two days before i got there so it was like day i started hunting him on day on day two 
So I was like, okay, between now and the next three to four days, I should get a crack at him if I just go and sit this area. Um, and I never saw him and he didn't, and he didn't, I checked the cameras after I left the next time I came back down, he never came in. So he never came in to the property, but he was using like, he was using a four wheel trail. That's 250 yards from our cabin sometimes, you know, at 8 AM in the morning. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're not, you're not supposed to be like this dumb. Like I shouldn't be able to sit right like in eyesight of the cabin and kill you. But if that's what you want to do, I'm going to give it a crack. So I put everything. So I took the east side of the farm and Chad took the west side. But um, but yeah, I wanted to just really focus on trying to get that one deer and put a lot of effort into um, into the our, our land this year and that one deer. And I, I'm still going to give it a go. Like I'm rearranging, which is a good transition here because now I'm like rearranging for late season kind of patterns and trying to like, if I can pick them back up again and what stands I need to set and things like that. And if I need to put out some ground blinds and all that. So yeah, that's kind of where, where I'm at, but are you kind of in the same, in the same boat as far as like transitioning and starting to really think about like late season and what you're doing there? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I mean, finding the hot food source right now. And I mean, having that snow is so big. If you're, if you're really covering ground and trying to scout to figure out where these things are at using that first day after a snowstorm to get on the most recent sign has been really advantageous for me in the last few days um, with that snowstorm that we had blow through. Um, yesterday, the, what I noticed uh, was really relevant is uh, because it was so cold and, you know, high winds and everything. Um, they were definitely tucked on the backside of the ridges. And then what I found was really cool is I came into a, a locust tree that I shared on my story. And there was a lot of sign at this locust tree eating these locust pods. And uh, Naturally, I walked right by it. I knew I really had the gut feeling that I should have set up there. But I mean, I drove two hours down to this spot to grab a couple of soaker cams that have been there for months. So I kind of had a little bit of an obligation to go down way down. I was like halfway to where I wanted to go. And I had to I had to go get these pull these cameras. Um, but naturally, that was one of the spots when I came back up the ridge, there was multiple tracks in my tracks at this locust tree um just it, it's finding whatever the food source is right now wherever you're at another spot tonight a different example i was just in the farm country not too far out of the cities and uh i was driving around just looking at agricultural fields looking for deer sign and uh i ended up finding one that uh it was a cut corn field and there was plenty of deer sign in it and just looking on Onyx, I had no permission anywhere around there. I uh, went and knocked on the neighbor's door that had plenty of cover next to this cut cornfield. Turned out to be a really, well, I called a couple people and got turned down before that. But like the third place that I ended up going to, I knocked on his door. Turned out to be a really nice guy. I told him I'd give him, some, give him some steaks if I shot anything. And he was all for it. So he let me go into his, let me go into his property and, uh, scouted my way into this point and sure enough found some fresh tracks and as I was setting up I had deer walk in on me 
and turn around and run back into the bedding area. And I sat there for the rest of the evening and uh, didn't, didn't see anything, but uh, either way, it's just, you know, right now, don't be deterred. Don't be, don't be all worried. Like, well, the season's going to end and I got all these tags. Uh, well, in my case, I got all these tags, um, but it's just, yeah. You know, well, Wisconsin, you still got two more months, man. It's December yeah. 1st. You got to the end of January. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I know some people like call it, some people call it halftime and it really like, it really pretty much is, you yeah. know, ain't that crazy. Well, that's kind of a, if I, if I can attribute, if I can justify any sort of deterrent, it's that, like I said, all these farms are, are, uh, knock on door permission properties. And I think there was just judging by all my trail cameras, which I run a shit ton of them. Uh, I had like six bucks in Wisconsin that I would say are, were on the hit list. And the guys were sharpshooters this year. They got the job done during rifle and. <laughs> cleaned up at least that I just that I know of they cleaned up three out of the six and that's just the few people that I've talked to that I'm aware of so I mean stuff like that I guess you could say is a deterrent because you know the deer that are there and now they're not there so right you know they're dead now yeah 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 that is but yeah I mean and the other the other big piece is like you don't know who's gonna hurt up where Mm -hmm. you know like a buck that like it's almost somewhat like the rut in the sense you don't know who's gonna like who's what bucks are gonna show up and what hurt on what food source Mm -hmm. right because they kind of all get together and to a degree and just are like all right we're all eating this corn (laughs) we're all Mm -hmm. eating out of this cornfield this seems safe you know yada 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 and then they all like hurt up and if you know you might have a buck come in from you know, a mile away because the farmer didn't plant corn or they tilled it up or they pulled all the beans this year or someone switched to CRP or whatever it is. Now mm-hmm. all of a sudden that's like totally gone. And that buck's like, oh, what I used to do with my winners doesn't exist anymore. I got to go find somewhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he just shows up somewhere else. From, you know, from my, yeah. From my experience, what I'm seeing is, and experience of the past is that you don't really see them yarding up or like really congregating like that probably until at least like say the 15th to the 20th of December. I think you still got some, some solitary action going on right now because like I had a cell cam that I could show you right now that went off this morning of a, of a smaller buck chasing, chasing a few does around this, this ridge side. And uh, coming back through there, then tonight, I just checked my phone. It comes into me at eight o'clock and I had two other little bucks going through that point, heading in the direction of these, the, the does that he was chasing. So maybe a little secondary rut action going on. That is a great point, you know, and I just, now that you're saying that I had to pull up my cell cam and check them. (laughs) That's what I'm looking at right now. And I had some does on a water hole last night at five o'clock, but it's still past, you know, past shooting. Um, I had one, I have one buck that's starting to show up again, one shooter. Um, but I, I think I'm going to move all, all those cell cams somewhere else. But um, yeah, it's, 
I, I agree. It's not to like later December. So yeah, you can get some second rut action, which is something that Jeff Sturgis white tail habitat solutions that he talks about often mm-hmm. is like, dude, this is this first week of December is actually a pretty darn good week to like sit. Like if you didn't have any rut action and you know, you didn't put a ton of pressure on your property or anything. And I know for ours, like our property didn't like nobody, none of our neighbors or anything shot anything. I've talked to all of them. One guy shot a little six point and a doe. I shot a doe. And then my other neighbor shot an 11, like a 14 point. Um, real nat. Like I went and looked at it. It was the farmer that lets me in. His daughter shot it. And huge rack. Like a, like if you just looked at the rack, you'd be like four and a half, five and a half year old deal deer. Like 160 inches or so. And his body looked like a fawn. Really? Like, yeah, it was skin and bones, like not even, not even like skin and bones from the rut. Like he's that the farmers like this deer kind of acted funny. I'm pretty sure he's like CWD toast. Like we probably did this thing a favor. Um, really? So yeah, I mean, and you like, like I shot a year and a half old fawn and I like, if we hung them up next to each other, I bet you my year and a half old fawn had more meat after I butchered her. Like she did have more meat than looking when I was looking at that deer. So it was, it was, it was really interesting, but anyway, I never had pictures of that buck. Um, so none of the bucks that I have camera pictures of have shown back up except for one. So the other three that I was kind of chasing, I've, I haven't seen again, but I also don't, I don't, I think they're just crafty. I think, I don't think they're dead. I don't know, but who knows? Maybe there is a public piece about a mile away that anybody could get them, get them on and they could have been there. I'm not sure. Um, but I, yeah, the reason I was went off on that was the, uh, like the amount of pressure, right? Cause you know, a piece of public, like it's going to receive gun hunting pressure every single day of, of the week Mm -hmm. during gun season. Um, our property got the first two days. Um, and then I had plans the rest of the week and my wife had plans for me, um, I should say. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, (laughs) and then, and then, uh, my, my dad never, my dad or nobody else never made it back out. Like they're just not big hunters or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. we have three other people that, that can hunt our property, other family members, and none of them, none of them went. So, um, so yeah, I mean, no, very little pressure and getting back out for that second rut. Like, I think it's very doable. Like if you're mm-hmm. in the right spot, cause that buck that I have on camera, he's hitting a scrape every two days. So I've had him on camera three times and it's been every two days. He hits the scrape. It's always at night. Like it's six to 8 PM, but he's hitting a scrape and he's working mm-hmm. it. So it's one of those things that's like, all right, well, that's interesting. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I haven't seen any. Cause I checked quite a few scrapes that, uh, that are down in the bluffs actually. Wow. I can say that one of the main ones had been hit recently, like within the last couple of days, but not tore open. He just came and worked the branch. Um, but I haven't seen that. Um, but it, definitely don't be deterred. I mean, my old man killed, I think his biggest buck to date yesterday with a muzzy in northern minnesota and you know there's 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 still action to be had yeah 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 it wasn't a rough situation yeah oh yeah it was it was sweet um yeah is it like how big like do you do you know the story on it at all 
Yeah, yeah, he was uh, pretty much can attribute it to the snow because when he was going into his spot, he saw this big fresh track and decided to follow the big fresh track. And with that 25 mile an hour wind um, that we had yesterday, he ended up following it for a ways and it went out into this, uh, this a little bit more open area and he stood on the edge of it glassing and uh, ended up catching his cage out in the tall, this, this tall, it's like CRP. And he saw the, the rack and ended up just kind of scooting over a little bit and waiting for this thing to step out and present itself. And it just never heard him come. And he got into like 80 yards on it with a muzzy and uh, waited for him to move. And when he shot it, it ended up, it had been, it had been bedded there for a little while, but uh, you know, that was, he was following that track into this deer and just you know right place right time type of thing yeah dude that's so, awesome that's something that yeah. i i've never done and well i've done and failed miserably a couple times like mm -hmm. for fun too. right yeah. like well not necessarily for fun but you cut a track and you're like huh i wonder where that like i wonder where that deer would be and i just yeah. did it the other i did it oh what it would have I think gun season opened like the 17th. So it was two days before gun season opened and I had my bow and there was snow on the ground and I cut a track super fresh and I like saw where it went. And I was like, I bet you there's like a, at least a doe bedded like right here. And there was absolutely no way I was getting there quietly. And I knew like where I had hunted bucks previously and where there's a good scrape and good trails. It was like, 120 yards past that so i was like there's no way i'm like working around this like if she's there she's there and and i may or may not be able to like slowly creep my way in with a bow which is like un uh, like and it was quiet there was like a five mile an hour wind <laughs> so naturally i took five more steps and then she blew out of there but she was right where she was right where i thought she was gonna be um right. So, but I mean, that's, it's always kind of cool when you can do that, but I've never, I've never really been able to do that with a gun or anything. Mm -hmm. I think you, you really, it's just so dictated on the, uh, the conditions you have that day, whether it's, you know, it just rained so you can sneak around quiet or the high winds yesterday, you know, something, to, something to cover your noise and put something in your favor there. Yeah. And actually, you know, keep you moving on cold days. Like if you, yeah, got a, right. if you got a gun in your hand, you know, and keep you moving on a cold day, like I could see that being very, uh, a great way to hunt and mm -hmm. like one way to hunt versus freezing your ass off in the stand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got, I got one more for you that makes that story even cooler is that, um, if there's sentimental value to it, that buck that, is going to tape out to be the biggest one my dad ever shot it was within 100 yards of the tree stand that my grandfather 10 years ago before he passed away shot his biggest buck out of right right there <laughs> no way that's pretty yeah cool. that's yeah cool. so really coincidental just the way that that all played out but yeah that's what you happened. Know, it must so. be the big buck zone then. Yeah, that's the hot spot. <laughs> yeah, you better get over there next year. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing doing down here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's cool. So then for like looking into 
you know, the rut or the second rut and kind of late season, like, what is your, what is your plan? I mean, when does muzzy season end for you and what is your plan for when you pick your bow back up and get rolling? I, I I'll still even cause muzzleloader closes. Uh, I think it's the 11th or it's like a week or nine days from now. And okay. then, uh, then I'll be done with the muzzleloader in Minnesota, but I might even get over to Wisconsin before that with a bow. It's not like I'm only going to do it with the muzzleloader, but I'm really trying to when I got the chance right now. And I really, yeah. I like hunting with a muzzleloader. That's fun. You know, it's once yeah. again, if you're changing up to topography and places you hunt also hunting with a different weapon is a nice change of pace. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the plan though? Uh, dude i'm very i'm very nimble with it i you know i it's almost probably to my demise sometimes how much i move around um because especially during the rut because that happened to me a couple times this year when i knew i should have just stayed in this rut funnel sit here grind it out i i just don't want to sit there and grind it out i'll sit there i'll i'll sit spots you know five hours here and four hours here but moving midday and having a different change of scenery keeps me in a tree. Um, and then my cell cam will go off where I was just at. That happened to me twice this year. My trail camera, if I would have just stayed my ass in the tree, I would have killed something or had a shot. But um, yeah, right I'm now, I, I mean, that that cornfield I found today looks pretty dang good. There was quite a bit of deer sign in there, saw deer. It's a nice pinch point where I was at. I'll probably go right back there, give that another go. Um, hopefully get down to the bluffs again. That sounds good because you have so much room to work with that public land down there. So you got thousands of acres, but uh, really just, man, take advantage of the snow right now to get on deer because it's, it's the most efficient way you can do it in this time. And um, you're going to find a ton of dead space. I mean, there's so much of the forest that uh, that it's desolate, nothing. Um, but okay, another one. I found this in Wisconsin before mid mid November because we had that early snow. I noticed it there, and then I saw it again in southern Minnesota. And that is, if you can find immature buckthorn right now, all those leaves are still green. It's like the only green in the woods. Um, and both places where I was at in Wisconsin, um, I was scouting around mid-November, found all this sign in this, it was a, it was a, they had logged this area like two years ago. And naturally what's coming up in there is buckthorn and all those immature trees. It's like a nice, it's like a nice hundred, 150 yard swath of immature buckthorn. And it's like the only green there. And there was a ton of deer tracks and they're browsing in it in the snow, put my cell camera there. And, uh, it's been going off fairly consistently with, with deer browsing around in front of that camera. Then yesterday, same thing down in the bluffs, I found an area of nice thick pocket of immature buckthorn and there was a ton of tracks going in and out of it. So gotcha. just an, just another food source to consider. If you can find anything that's green, you know, that's, that's pretty yeah, it's worth investigating. Yeah, no, I, that, 
that makes sense. Um, another thing I kind of thought of is, and this has been really handy, is there's like no other hunters out there after muzzy season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost it's like it's it's better than early season. You know, you you know, early season you got the first weekend where there's everybody and their brother, and then you mm-hmm. got nothing until Halloween. Yeah, uh, very minimal until Halloween. But even after like Wisconsin, you get gun season, then you get muzzleloader season, and then you got the late season. And man, in that late season, there's like nobody out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one wants to brave the cold and they think all the deer are dead. And everybody's beat up from a long year. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the way the way it goes. They're yeah, deterred. You kind of get the, yeah, you get the lay of your land, the lay of the land. And you get to really mm-hmm. pick and choose where you want to go. Do you still yeah. run? I mean, do you still depend? Not depend, but do you still really like keep your cameras super active and keep moving them around and trying to refine that in your location like your areas or do you more or less go off of like historical data and whatnot to figure I'm out? running a I'm running a few less yeah like for example all my soaker cams I'll as I can conveniently grab them I'll start pulling them after you know the beginning of December so I'll have some less out there but uh, overall if I can maneuver them around and kind of as I'm scouting, usually I try to have a camera on me. So if I can, if I do find that, that locust tree or the, the immature buckthorn, throw a camera there, worst case scenario, if you don't get back to it, grab it in the spring and you got that late season Intel for next year. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and especially with like buckthorn or on piece of public like that, you, you know, it's very, very likely to be there next year not like mm-hmm. corn versus soybeans versus hay or alfalfa or whatever exactly yeah that's one of the that is one of the big problems that i've come across and i've tried to do it now is just like like if i'm trying to hunt an area like if i'm trying to hunt and on a weekend like all right cool i can sneak out saturday and sunday night something like that like i'm gonna try to get out on wednesday or thursday night and even if it's in the dark go and look at those food sources to like just verify that like it is picked corn or it's not tilled yet you know or or the who the farmer hasn't picked his beans yet over here like that's where i'm heading Mm. just to kind of verify those food sources and what the farmer's done with them i did run into like totally new scenario with the dnr this year like they came in and i went to an area that uh that I really liked as a pinch point um, for like gun season and for, for the rut and the DNR this year in Wisconsin had come through and mowed a four wheel path to that area. And I was like, Oh, come on. <laughs> like yeah. They usually, the path is usually like 50 yards from the parking lot and ends in this like giant kind of just grassy marsh. And then from there, everybody gets to go wherever they want. And everybody from there generally goes like two to 300 yards. And then like you get to the first wood lot and that's generally where they stop. And if you get the third wood lot, that's where I've found like the most sign. Um, And they mowed a path straight to the third wood lot. And I was like, some beach. And I found, I went back in there and I was like, cause I had to follow the path. I was like, no, you're not going that far. Are you? And I just kept going and kept going. I was like, Oh my God. And there they was, a, 
there was a camera back in there that I had never seen before. And I was like, son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let me yeah, cross this spot point. off the list. Um, right. Okay. Here's a yes. Yes to that. I've seen similar things myself in Northern Minnesota. It's very, you can never anticipate what the BNR is going to do up there. Like they do a lot of controlled burns up there too. I've had things go to hell from a controlled burn too things of that nature yeah um but uh something that just popped into my mind because i did it tonight um and it's something it's kind of a you got to take advantage of it while it's there but when you have the especially in farm country if you're trying to pin down where these deer are herded up or if they are herded up you know i say that they're not right now but they they are to some extent i'm they're coming to the same food source but not necessarily all bedding in this one area, you know, like when it gets later in the year. But I'll, even right now, I'll say that a hot food source will draw deer from multiple directions. Um, anyways, right now, especially in farm country, if you're looking for ag fields for it, if it, I, I, with a decent set of binoculars and what you got going on right now, clear skies at night, moon, uh, and a white canvas of snow. Um, you can see hundreds of yards. You can, you can see, I was glassing like four or 500 yards looking for deer tonight. Um, and I ended up walking in like quite a ways off the road to check this one field. Cause I knew it was cut corn. And if you can kind of use the cover of semi darkness and go look at these other areas, um, to figure out, you know, it's after dark, the deer are comfortable being out in the open, figure out then where they're at to be able to move around and go, go get in on them. I think that's a, that's a very efficient way to, to make it, you know, to utilize your scouting time, but you know, you gotta have the, you know, you can't be deterred. You can't be, well, it's December and it's cold and I've sat 48 times and not killed anything. Still got to still got to get after it. Right. Still got to keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great that's a great tip. Um, And here, like I'm in southern Wisconsin, we don't have snow right now, but there will be snow coming. You know, oh, really? yeah. Yeah. We don't have anything right now. Huh. Nothing on the ground. Um, Just just grass. So then. From that perspective, it, it is a little a little different, but at the same time, you know, you're still like taking taking guesses at what food sources they're going to be going to and maybe where the pressure is at and maybe you just give them a break for a week. Um, I, you know, there's all sorts of things that that come into play that you people like want to think about, like, all right, I'll just let the pressure cool off for a week or two and then they'll start showing up in daylight. I don't, you know, and then you're like, well, it's the second rut. So you should probably get out there and at least give it a crack. You know, if you're not out there, you're not going to have a chance and maybe like redoing observation sits, you know, in the spring or I'm sorry, in the summer you're, you're doing in August, you're like going out. And I know you did it a lot is like observation sits and glass and try to figure stuff out um, before you make a move. And now you have to almost like redo that again. Where have mm -hmm. these deer gone? Where are they moving to? What's the new bedding area? And you alluded to it earlier, which was, you know, there's a lot of desolate parts of these properties now, right? Where there's no food, there's very minimal cover. 
like the food source is gone out of that area. So then the deer just naturally move out of that area. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, the big thing that I've noticed is it seems like, especially on a couple of the pieces of public that I still hunt that the bedding areas, the food may change, but the bedding areas stay the same because it's the only like thick cover in a given area. And when there's no other green vegetation and there's no other option, like that thick cover is where they, where they generally go to. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, that's, that's still holding true. You know, I still have cameras and I still, still find deer in those thick cover areas in, you know, December and January every year. Um, and, and you'll, you don't find them nearly as much in like the early season there. Cause they can kind of be anywhere every year they kind of end up here and then from there they like pinwheel out to the different ag fields or food sources wherever they want to go you know um yeah anything else about about late season or any other any other mind-blowing facts you can share with us alex <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't got a lot of those um I don't know, man. Just stay persistent. More. <laughs> yeah, sit more, sit more. Time on stand kills big bucks. Um, yeah, I think I think the my strategy of utilizing the moon and and if you have any snow, um, that oh man, you can be efficient with that as soon as you get that opportunity. And you know that's a a waning opportunity of as the the moon phases are coming and going, but. Um, that's a really good one. Um, just to add, just to add to that and give you a, give you a second to think about this, <laughs> which yeah. is you can from a truck with glasses or with, with binos, you can cover a shit ton of ground in three hours in the dark. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you can really narrow down exactly like, okay, the deer could be at one of these 27 fields. And it may mm -hmm. seem daunting at first, but if you're driving around, you start your drive at 8 p.m. And you're like, I'm just going to go, you know, wife's going to watch a movie and go to bed. I'm going to go out for a drive for a couple hours and go look at some of these fields. Mm -hmm. Like you can get through of those 27. You could probably get through all 27 and find deer and you'd be like, all right, cool. The deer are in these three out of the 27. Fantastic. Now I know where I need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. That's yeah. And I, I don't know, I guess I think I've said most of, most of what I'm utilizing right now, but one other thing I noted today was just, I emphasized to this because, you know, I just knocked on this guy's door after I found there was a bunch of deer utilizing his cut cornfield. And, you know, I made sure that he understood, you know, the, the season is, is only another approximately 10 days with the muzzleloader. Um, I'm not asking for forever permission here. I got a small window to work with a lot of the times, most of the answers, if I'm asking in June, July, or August, they're telling me no, because, uh, well, we hunted or we're going to hunt it in the gun season. A lot of the people are, you know, it's Christmas now and that's all they got on their mind. So if you, they're more apt to give you the yes on private ground, um, if you let them know, Hey, it's going to be a short period of time, um, offer, offer some sort of trade of, you know, meat or something like that. Um, that's kind of what got me into that place tonight. He's like, Oh, it's only 10 days. Yeah. That's I, I'm not going to be out there. So all good. Yeah. Just that's stuff like cool. that. But 
Yeah, man, find the find the food source right now. Uh, I, but you've heard you and everybody else has heard that a thousand times, but it's true. And utilize the utilize the snow if you got it. Yeah, that's a big one. And cameras and time mm-hmm. on stand. Mm-hmm. Just like I don't know, go hunting, right, Alex? Mm-hmm. Go. Yeah, enjoy yourself. Like I said, man, I have. I don't get me wrong. It's it, I would rather see deer, but I'm still, whether I see deer or not, I'm having a good time. Just like being yeah. out, out in the woods in a tree. Right. So you know. the, yeah. And the last tip I'm going to throw in here and then, then we'll wrap this bad boy up is make sure you keep shooting your bow for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that I have to remind myself to do. And I told Alex earlier, it's like, you know, I've, work these work days like i had a really i had a fairly long work day today been on my computer for like 14 hours now and uh and i want to just get out and like put a half hour into my bow make Mm -hmm. sure and throw on like my warm jacket my big jacket if i want to shoot with gloves like if i'm going to shoot with the gloves make sure i wear gloves or whatever and just like put some arrows down range. Cause like, there's nothing like getting out there and being like, Oh yeah, I should just shoot one time before I go and you shoot and you're like eight inches high and to the right. And you're like, what, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And you I noticed that with the, like, you got to do that for sure. That's, that's a good point is uh, as you layer on more, your anchor point left to right changes. Uh, I don't really see it up and down but for sure left and right. Cause like you can only lock in so tight with all these extra layers of clothes on. And you think you're still, you think you're still in the same spot, but you're not, you're looking down that peep, but it's, you're looking at a little bit of a different angle and uh, shooting with all those layers on and adjusting your sight accordingly to, you know, the cold weather and all the clothes is that's vital because I've seen it adjust as far i mean sometimes six to eight inches even you know left or right so yeah and you need to like yeah you're you just need to like figure out how your clothes sit and how you can get back to your anchor point are you torquing are you not like Mm -hmm. you know all that fun stuff and just make sure that you're confident and that you don't you know botch a shot Mm -hmm. right so (laughs) Watch <laughs> a shot because you got too many layers on and now your layers are sticking into your cables or something like that or your cams and you're like i had no idea like, yeah especially because you know deer never just come in broadside right off your left side easy draw 20 yards they're always coming in at odd angles and you're always twisting and torquing and trying to yeah. figure out how you get to them making it a challenge yep all right well alex thank you for jumping on dude i appreciate the time especially just getting back from vacay and having mm-hmm. a good time there um i hope you i follow i'll follow certainly follow along see if you can drop one yet here on on sit 49 or 50 <laughs> lucky number 50 is gonna be it that's that's yep. tomorrow hopefully <laughs> if yeah. uh people want to follow you along and and ask you any questions or anything like that where's the best place uh a vast majority of my uh, social presence is on Instagram. Just go uh, type in deer underscore development, all spelled out, and uh, you will find me there. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, Alex, so much. Really appreciate the time, dude. Uh, for everybody listening, if you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your buddies. If you have any 
appreciate it. And don't forget to check out the shop. If you guys want to support me, go there as well as look into the, the partners we mentioned earlier, Onyx, uh, Onyx Venado and Vector Custom Shop. Alex, uh, you got any shout outs? You got, do you have apparel rolling right now? I uh, do. God, I've had so many people ask me in the last couple of months that give me a hat, give me a shirt, give me this and that. And just, I do have it. And I did have it all the last year. And eventually I sold out of all of it and didn't re-up. Truthfully, I, I should have done it back in September or even prior to that. And uh, I'm not going to make excuses. I just didn't do it. So I do and I will in the future. But at the moment, we are pretty much all out. You got nothing. Ooh, I found your land podcast. There you go. July 14th, it came right, out. Yeah. Yeah. July 14th, the land podcast with Jay Cooper. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Tie, tie that, tying that all the way back to the very beginning of this podcast. <laughs> Coming full circle here. <laughs> yep. That's right. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Have a good time. Have a great day. And uh, catch you guys later.